Chapter Four of the Green Carnation. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lisa Reichert. The Green Carnation by Robert Smythe Hitchens. Chapter Four. During the few days that elapsed before the advent of the Surrey week, Lady Locke saw a great deal of Lord Reggie and became a good deal troubled in her mind about him. He was strangely different from all the men and boys whom she had ever known, almost monstrously different, and yet he attracted her. There was something so young about him, and so sensitive, despite the apparent indifference to the opinion of the world, of which he spoke so often, and with such unguarded emphasis. Sometimes she tried to think that he was masquerading, and that a travesty of evil really concealed sound principles, possibly even evangelical tendencies, or a bias towards religious mania. But she was quickly undeceived. Lord Reggie was really as black as he painted himself, or society told many lies concerning him. Of course Lady Locke heard nothing definite about him. Women seldom do hear much that is definite about men unrelated to them. But all the world agreed in saying that he was a scamp, and that he was one of the wildest young men in London, and that he was ruining his career with both hands. Lady Locke hardly knew why she should mind, and yet she did mind. She found herself thinking often of him, and in a queer sort of motherly way that the slight difference in their ages did not certainly justify. After all, he was nearly twenty-five and she was only twenty-eight. But then he looked twenty, and she felt, well, a considerable age. She had married at seventeen, she had travelled, had seen something of rough life, had been in an important position officially, owing to her dead husband's military rank. Then, too, she had suffered a bereavement, had seen a strong man, who had been her strong man, die in her arms, Life had given to her more of its realities than of its shams, and it is the realities that mark the passage of the years, and number for us the throbs in the great heart of time. Lady Locke knew that she felt much older than Lord Reggie would feel when he was twenty-eight, if he went on living at least as he was living now. "'Has he a mother?' she asked her cousin betty windsor one day as they were driving slowly down the long line of staring faces that filled the park at five o'clock on warm afternoons in summer mrs windsor who was almost lost in the passion of the gazer and who was bowing about twice a minute to passing acquaintances or to friends rigid upon tiny green chairs gave a quarter of her mind violently to her companion and answered hurriedly too dear practically too yes his own mother divorced his father and the latter has married again the second marchioness of headfield wrote to lord reggie the other day and said she was prepared to be a second mother to him so you see he has two so nice for the dear boy do you think so but his own mother what is she like i don't know her nobody does she never comes to town or stays in country houses but i believe she's very tall and very religious if you notice it is generally short squat people who are atheists and she lives at canterbury where she does a great deal of good among the rich 
They say she actually converted one of the canons to a belief in the thirty-nine articles, after he had preached against them and miracles in the cathedral. And canons are very difficult to convert, I am told. Then she is a good woman. And is Lord Reggie fond of her? Oh, yes, very. He spent a week with her last year, and I think he intends to spend another this year. She is very pleased about it. He and Mr. Amaranth are going down for the hop-picking. What a strange idea! Yes, deliciously original. They say that hop-picking is quite Arcadian. Mr. Amaranth is having a little pipe made for him at chapels or somewhere, and he's going to sit under a tree and play old tunes by Scarlatti to the hop-pickers while they are at work. He says that more good can be done in that sort of way than by all the missionaries who were ever eaten by savages. I don't believe much in missionaries. Do you believe in Mr. Amaranth? Certainly. He is so witty. He gives one thoughts, too, and that saves one such a lot of trouble. People who keep looking about in their own minds for thoughts are always so stupid. Mr. Amaranth gives you enough thoughts in an hour to last you for a couple of days. I doubt if they are worth very much. I suppose he gives Lord Reggie all his thoughts? Yes, I dare say. He supplies half London, I believe. There's always someone of that kind going about, and as to his epigrams, they are in everyone's mouth. That must make them rather monotonous, said Lady Locke as the horses' heads were turned homewards, and they rolled smoothly towards Belgrave Square. In the drawing-room they found a very thin, short-sighted-looking woman sitting quietly, apparently engaged in examining the pictures and ornaments through a double eyeglass, with a slender tortoise-shell stalk, which she held in her hand. She had a curious face with a long, rather Jewish nose, and a thin-lipped mouth, a face wrinkled about the small eyes, above which was pasted a thick fringe of light brown hair, covered with a visible, invisible net. "'Madame Valtesi!' exclaimed Mrs. Windsor. "'You have come in person to give me your answer about my week? That is charming. Are you coming out into the desert with us? Let me introduce my cousin, Lady Locke, Madame Valtesi.' The thin lady bowed peeringly. She seemed very blind indeed. Then she said, in a voice perhaps twenty years older than her middle-aged face, "'How do you do? Yes, I will play the hermit with pleasure. I came to say so. You go down next Tuesday, or is it Wednesday?' "'On Wednesday. We shall be a charming little party, and so witty.' Lord Reginald Hastings and Mr. Amaranth are both coming, and Mr. Tyler. My cousin and I complete the sextet. Oh, I had forgotten Tommy. But he does not count, not as a wit, I mean. He is my cousin's little boy. He is to play about with the curate's children. That will be so elevating for him. Delightful, said Madame Valtesi, with a face of stone. No tea, thank you. I only stopped to tell you. I have three parties this afternoon. Good-bye. Tomorrow morning I am going to get my trousseau for the desert. A shady garden hat, and gloves with gauntlets, and a walking cane. <laughs> she gave a little croaking laugh with a cleverly taken girlish note at the end of it, 
and walked very slowly and quietly out of the room. "'I am so glad she can come,' said Mrs. Windsor. "'She makes our rustic party complete.' "'We shall certainly be very rustic,' said Lady Locke with a smile, as she leaned back in her chair and took a cup of tea. "'Yes, deliciously so. Madame Valtesi goes everywhere. She is one of the most entertaining people in London. Nobody knows who she is. I have heard that she is a Russian spy, and that her husband was a courier, or a chef, or perhaps both. She's got some marvellous diamond earrings that were given to her by a grand duke, and she has lots of money. She runs a theatre because she likes a certain actor.' and she pays Mr. Amaranth's younger brother to go about with her and converse. He is very fat and very uncouth, but he talks well. Madame Valtesi has a great deal of influence. In what department of life? Oh, uh, in every department, I believe. I really think my week will be a success this year. Last year it was rather a failure. I took down Professor Smith, and he had a fit— so inconsiderate of him in the country too where it is so difficult to get a doctor we had in the veterinary surgeon in a hurry but all he could say was fire him and as i was not very intimate with the professor i hardly liked to do that he has such a very violent temper this year we shall have a good deal of music lord reggie and mr amaranth both play and they are arranging a little programme all old music you know they hate wagner and the moderns they prefer the ancient church music mozart and haydn and paganini or is it palestrina i never can remember and that sort of thing so refining mr amaranth says that nothing has been done in music for the last hundred years personally i prefer the intermezzo out of cavalleria to anything i ever heard but of course i am wrong you have finished then i think i shall go and lie down before dressing for dinner it is so hot a breath of country air will be delicious yes i confess i am looking forward with interest to the surrey week said lady locke still smiling end of chapter four recording by lisa reichert